Welcome to the New Books Network. This is the Nordic Asia Podcast. Welcome to the Nordic Asia Podcast, a collaboration sharing expertise on Asia across the Nordic region. My name is Therese Gagnon, and I'm a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Copenhagen and the Nordic Institute of Asian Studies, and I will be your host today. Joining me today is Cha Zayar Nguyen. Cha Zayar Nguyen is a project coordinator at the International Republican Institute. He is an expert in politics, international relations, and human rights with a focus on Myanmar. He holds a master's in international relations from the Maxwell School of Citizenship and Public Affairs at Syracuse University, where he was an Open Society Fellow. He has previously worked at organizations including Voice of America and Amnesty International. He is the author of the book chapter, Securitization of Rohingya in Myanmar, from the book Myanmar Transformed, People, Places, and Politics. This is part two of a two-part episode discussing the securitization of Rohingya in Myanmar with Cha Zayar Nguyen. And he will be speaking with us today, particularly about the U.S. government's long-awaited determination of genocide against the Rohingya in Myanmar, which was delivered in March 2022. So in this conversation, we will hear from Zayar about the roots of the Rohingya genocide, which happened in 2017, in relation to the long history of securitization of Rohingya in Myanmar. And we will also discuss the possible implications of the U.S. government's determination of genocide for post-coup Myanmar, as well as current issues and challenges facing Rohingya communities inside and outside of Myanmar. Welcome to the podcast, Zayar. Thank you very much, Thiris, for giving me this chance. Really honored to contribute to this podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Zayar. So to go back to the U.S.'s determination of genocide, we know that it's been a very long road to the U.S. making this determination. And even after the U.N. described the actions by the Myanmar military against Rohingya as a, quote, textbook case of ethnic cleansing, end quote, and with many rights organizations advocating almost from the beginning for the determination of genocide, it still took the U.S. government five years to actually come to that conclusion, which we can understand on the one hand because it's a long process of reviewing evidence and making a determination, but to provide our readers with perhaps a little more insight, could you walk us through that process a bit and share any information you might know about what that process was like? Yeah, sure. Honestly, I do not know too much about the United States State Department position and consideration on this. I guess, and sometimes I participate in the panel discussion and I learned that declaration or this the determination of genocide is related to the Obama February 1st coup, I believe that. So I see that the Obama February 1st coup was kind of the U.S. foreign policy to Obama failure. Like, I mean, the failure of the U.S. foreign policy to Obama because this coup revealed that United States government doesn't have plan B, even though U.S. throw the billions of money since the political opening in Burma in 2010-11, you know, United States support a lot of tons of money, but mm-hmm. without any plan B, if the military step back, what we can do. So this is the obviously. So I think based on that, United States take this action as much as possible 
And that's why they decided to declare this the genocide against the Rohingya. But this is one of the reasons, I think, and because of the State Department decision, the United States government will have the moral and also legal authority to prevent the situation from getting worse and also moral and legal authority to support the victim for their resettlement and rehabilitation and development and also the fostering peace and communal peace in the region. So this is a good thing, I think, based on this declaration. And also because of this determination of the genocide, the United States and the partner countries and also the partner pro-democracy uh, at Obama uh, can have leverage to counter the long-lasting monger, like war monger. This is the military hunter. That military hunter killed not only the Rohingya, but also millions of ethnic minorities, including the mm-hmm. Bama majority also. Uh, yes. They kill their own citizens. They kill their own people. They kill their own taxpayer. They buy with our test and they kill their taxpayer. This is terrible and this is just a gangster military. But now because of this declaration, this, we can have the leverage to overcome, to oppose and to counter the military dictator who have been killed for decades long. So this is another situation for the restorative justice and the transitional justice. That's why I think the United States uh, decided to recognize the Rohingya genocide. And on the other hand, I think internationally, China and U.S. relationship is currently not really good and increasing tension, we observe that. So if the United States started considering for the Cold War-like situation with China, so U.S. government will consider for the containment policy that will contain China. So to do so, Burma is one of the periphery countries that can contain China. So if Burma is a strong democratic leader, the United States will definitely partner with Burma. Or otherwise, United States will strong support to the opposition that will unstable the China periphery. This is another possibility. And because of this declaration, United States can draw a good budget to support the pro-democracy actor. And last week, I saw that the U.S. just passed $170 million for the Bama and Bangladesh in terms of Rohingya issue. So we see the fruit of this declaration now. Still, this is not enough and we still need a lot more stuff. But this is a good development, I think. Did I answer your question? You did. I think that really helps us understand a bit about the process of the genocide determination and also what other factors and considerations might be at play, which I think you shed some really important light on and things that I think a lot of people are maybe not aware of. Can I also add that because of the declaration, I believe that the Bama pro-democracy actor like NUG, CRPH or other pro-democracy actor, they will have also 
more support from the United States and also will have leverage to oppose against the hunter. But in this case, I also would ask the question that if there was no coup in Burma, what the United States stand for? If the United States decided to recognize this terrible situation as a genocide or maintain the relationship with Aung San Suu Kyi or government like they did. So this is a good question. And that's why I suspect that the declaration is good, but this is not enough. We need to see the implication by this mm-hmm. declaration. Unless any further action follow this declaration of the Rohingya genocide, Rohingya are still treated as a tool for mm-hmm. the country's political agenda. So I'm totally against this stand. And yeah. refugees should not be utilized as a tool for our political agenda or our political goal. They are already suffering people. They are already suffering. They lost everything. So mm-hmm. we should focus on their suffering rather than utilizing tools in the political conflict. Yeah, you make such a good point they are. And I think it's also frustrating too to see that the US and other nations didn't act and didn't condemn what happened in Rakhine in 2017 more strongly then for the sake of Rohingya people themselves. And now we see things being discussed in terms of the larger situation in Myanmar, which is very important. But oftentimes that kind of overshadows the effects that Rohingya individuals and communities have faced themselves. And I think it can be quite problematic or a slippery slope, because if we're only thinking about the fact that the lack of action or lack of genocide determination immediately, then maybe enabled the larger coup situation. Yes, that may be true. But also, what about just thinking about the experiences and rights of Rohingya people themselves and not just seeing that as like something that's playing a part and then affecting everyone else, including Bama majority people in Myanmar. Yeah. Yeah, just to pursue a little bit more what you were already speaking about. With this determination of genocide, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken spoke about his own family history, including relatives who were survivors of the Holocaust. And he said, the day will come when those responsible for these appalling acts will have to answer for them. But we can ask the question, is that day likely to come soon? As you spoke about, there are some actions that have been taken, but they're still far from enough, as many would say. So it's not exactly clear what immediate effects this decision may have. It seems quite open-ended. So from your perspective, could you tell us what actions, if any, the U.S. government might continue to take in the future as a result of this determination? You mentioned both a moral and a legal responsibility and justification for taking such potentially strong actions. And then what might be some implications of any future actions on the junta's control or lack of control in Myanmar, and also for the Rohingya communities that you mentioned, living both in Cox's Bazar, Bangladesh, and those who are still living in IDP camps within Myanmar? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a very big question, actually. <laughs> because as I said, I believe that the issue is not an issue that can resolve through a linear approach or single solution. And I believe that this is a multifaceted issue. And for example, for the refugee to return a refugee issue alone for their return, and there must be a favorable environment in the Rakhine state where 
these people originally lived to receive their return with safe and dignified return. So I can say easily in this poverty, but this is really difficult in reality to implement this situation based on the given context. So to do so, first, the United States or the international observer or the authority must listen to the Rohingya voice. And the Rohingya, the victim, must include in the resolving the process to overcome the situation. This is the first and important thing. And even if they are not capable to fight for their authentic rights, we need to build them. We need to build capacity, equip them with the knowledge and capacity to talk for themselves, to work with other stakeholders. Otherwise, this community will be go down and go extreme. So this is the first point. And second, United States must talk and collaborate with the neighboring country and neighboring stakeholder like Bangladesh, India, and even China. This is a neighboring country, not only the Burma, Burmese authority, but also the Bangladesh, India, or Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia. These countries also suffer from Rohingya problems. Rohingya fled to Malaysia, Indonesia with boat and some boat thrown in the sea and hundreds of Rohingya would die every year. So this is not only the localized issue, this is the regional issue. This issue threatens not only the regional, but also the United States regional security and United States alliance, U.S. alliance security, also U.S. economy security and U.S. strategic interest security. This issue threatened in this way. So we need to think thoroughly and approach, see the situation in this approach very clearly. And we need to understand the individuality of the problem. So in this case, we need to understand at least five things that I listed out there. So as I said, the Rohingya issue is overall two major issues, citizenship and identity issue. The rest of the problem are derivated from these two issues, like current operation or killing or genocide. Everything is based on these two issues, citizenship and the identity issue. So to this end, because of the lack of citizenship, they also lost their political rights. They cannot vote, they cannot represent their own community, and also they lost their fundamental rights and also a lot of suffering that I presented before. So based on that, we need to recognize this Rohingya population inside Burma is previously more than 1 million population. So this population is much bigger than many ethnic minority in Burma. So some minority are just hundred, a few thousand, but they are still recognized as a Burmese national. But why much bigger community is excluded? This is the causes of the problem. We should rethink in the national identity and we should rethink in the nation building approach. If we let them integrate in the majority, then they will be a good national who can contribute the country's development, who can contribute the country peace. 
So otherwise, the, the problem cannot end resolve and the situation is getting worse. So we need to consider the population. Another thing is the context preceded. Like, for example, when the Obama independent, then the Rohingya were recognized as one of the ethnic group in Burma at that time. You know, they were recognized as a Tainda indigenous group of Burma. But after Nguyen came in power, then these communities were excluded from the mm-hmm. list. So that's mm-hmm. why they have precedent. So we need to restore their already enjoying status. They already enjoying in the past. So this is precedent. This is a new thing. This is not a new thing. This is not a new thing. They have precedent. So we need to restore their rights. And this is second point. Third point is the current contest. Current contest, the military, this military killed Rohingya and this military killed its own national, its own people, ethnic people. Now we see who is the real enemy of the state, the real enemy of the people. Who is the real cause or real issue in this country? So based on this context, we need to understand who should be our ally, who should be our enemy. This is the context we need to consider. And then the fourth is, I would argue that based on the human nature, I believe that humans love freedom, love liberty. We want to live freely and we want to live with autonomy. We want self-determination. I identify myself. This is natural. Obama needs to accept this very fundamental rights. Regarding the Rohingya issue, this is one of the issues. Burmese authority, Burmese government, and even Burmese majority does not recognize this fundamental right of self-determination or self-identification. We need this approach as a human nature to treat others as I wanted to. So like this way, the fourth is conflict resolution perspective. I'm also interested in peace and conflict, violence studies. So from the conflict perspective, we need to broaden the political sphere in order to shrink the conflict and violence. So we need to broaden the political sphere. That means we need to let them participate in the country's political process. Hey, let them vote. And they started involved, participate in this political process. And then we need them to be built up and work with the majority country's population. Otherwise, it will be something asa or gangrene it cannot cure by some ointment no it needs cancer it needs chemotherapy it needs a radical accession whatever more bigger operation we need to think thoroughly in this five area five point then we need a holistic approach to see this Otherwise, the situation and the declaration is just a declaration, just a history. Nothing happened or nothing is changed in the victim population. This is what I would answer to this question. 
Excellent. Thank you, Zaire, for leaving us with those five points, which are incredibly important, all the way from the roots of the issue and thinking about citizenship and national belonging to the final points that you made about political inclusion and shrinking the sphere of violence. I think those are very, very important takeaways for all of us to leave with. I think that we will end it there, but thank you so much for speaking with us, Zaire. Thank you for sharing these really important insights with us. Thank you very much. My name is Therese Gagnon, and I have been speaking with Cha Zayar Wen. And thank you to our listener for joining the Nordic Asia podcast, showcasing Nordic collaboration in studying Asia. You have been listening to the Nordic Asia podcast.